thank you all the more because of the privilege you have given to us to share in your divine nature. As written in Second Peter 1 3, through the promises that you have given us, even the word of God, that we might participate in your divine nature. Thank you because you live in us. Thank you because we are your mouthpiece on earth. And when we shall bind, it shall be bound. And when we shall lose, it shall be loose. Father, we bless your name for what you have been doing among us for the past two weeks, three weeks, throughout our convention. Thank you for the power you rain down, the unction you rain down, the glory you rain down. Testimonies and manifestations. If it were not be you who have been for us, let Christ be tabernacle say, you broke the power of counsel sin. You set the prisoners free, for your blood can make the foulest clean, and your blood avails for us. We exalt and magnify thee. Father, we say thank you. In Jesus' holy name we are worshipped. Put Psalm 91 on the, on the screen for us, and let us read Psalm 91 together. I want to watch the words of the Psalms as you read it. Shall we? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me and under His wings I will find refuge. His faithfulness will be my shield and battle. I will terror of the night, nor the hour that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in noonday, nor the plague that destroys in midday. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I will only observe with my eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If I make my dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall me. No disaster will come near my tents. For he will command his angels concerning me to guide me in all my ways. They will lift me up from their hands so that I will not strike my foot against his stone. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra. I will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because I love him, says the Lord, he will rescue me. He will protect me from all... I acknowledge his name. He will... I will be... He will be... This, this I will read that again, verse 15. I will call upon him and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Put your hands together for the Lord. Do you know why I told you to read the scripture? There is the, I have told the video section to get us the prophecy God gave us at the beginning of the year. When I stood among you and God took me into the realm of the spirit and I saw 
Satan unleashed a fury upon the earth. If you remember it, they will get it and they will play it to you. And I saw it was like a flood, I said. But then I said to you that, and the Lord has stretched out his hands of mercy to overturn. I said it is a terrible thing that will come upon the face of the earth. But you know, if God spoke it through us, we lead in Goshen. When plague came to Egypt, those who dwell in Goshen cannot partake in it. So we're going to lift up our voice that, Lord, you have revealed it. Now it has happened. But you promise that you will stretch out your hand of mercy and will overthrow it. So whatever is called coronavirus, wherever it may take its root from, we speak into the atmosphere across the globe as, 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 as far as people can breathe in air. We will command that the power of God will mingle with the air that man breathes and paralyze the virus. It will not go beyond what they have seen. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Lord, we lift up our voice unto you. You have said it. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Because you revealed to us before this came. It is, it is from pit of hell. And we take our stand in Christ in God and decree. Hear the word of the Lord, your atmosphere. We mingle you with the blood of Jesus. We paralyze every disease in the atmosphere. We paralyze every virus that causes sickness in the atmosphere. Whether they call it coronavirus or whatever name they may call it. We come against you with the blood of Jesus. We attack you with the blood of Jesus. We command air to become our messenger. We destroy the root of that virus. Now, every flu, we cause them to die. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, stretch out your hand of mercy from the bosom of your Lord. And deliver mankind in the name of Jesus. Assign your messengers to our words of God. Let the news change from today. Let the news change from today. It will not spread like they say. It will not kill any longer. We take the power of death from that virus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we take the power of death from that virus. We plead to heaven for the, for the mercy of the Father. In Jesus' anointed name we are prayed. One more prayer we're going to pray is this. Remember for three years, God has been giving one prophecy and repeating it. I said, I saw famine in England. I saw the global economy crash again. But then if you look at it, it's strange that you, you know, uh, many shops, shelves are empty. You know, this little shaking that has happened, I'm sure that the governments are very careful because it's normal. Government is not to make people panic. But I can tell you the recession has started. Take heed of what I'm telling you. But the government must not see things like that until it is beyond control. All right? But you know, the Lord told us in the days of famine, my people will enjoy plenty. So we're going to pray. 
For the famine, it is the hand of God. Because he told us also, that is the season revival is coming in. When these things happen, you understand that redemption is at the door. So it is a time for the church to arise. So we're going to tell the Lord, as we have seen these things happen, which you have been telling us, now we know you provide for us. However, let your spirit power come upon your church. Let your sleeping giant arise in our nation. With power, with miracle, with signs and wonders, we will tell God to use this situation to draw the heart of people into his kingdom. Shall we just begin to pray? Our God and King will pray thee. What has happened, we have known about it. But Lord, at the same time, you said it is a sign to understand the season for revival. Lord, we ask you that you will use every circumstance going on around the world now to bring forth the heart of people to your kingdom. To turn their eyes, oh God, towards you. Oh Lord, my King. Let the heart of man turn unto the living God. Pray for revival, empowerment of the church. Father, we pray thee. Tell the Lord, send your power to my, my body. Send your power to my spirit. Let the power of God come upon the church of the living God. That the church of God will arise with healing in their wings. Manifestation of greatness, power, healing, deliverance, transformation. Let it come, let it come. Tell the Lord, let my lips carry your fire. Let my lips carry your fire. I am born for a purpose. Tell the Lord, use me in this season for the salvation of many, for the deliverance of many. Use me, O oh God, in your power, in your mighty power. Lord, we pray thee, we pray thee, we pray thee, we pray thee, we pray thee. Father, be thou exalted. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Welcome, someone beside you in the name of the Lord. Please. Amen. I've been hearing all manners of news. I remember when I, when I started uh, learning English, and they were teaching us good, good, goodest. <laughs> and then I questioned, why do you have news? I don't have newses. <laughs> you know, I've been hearing all manners of news. Oh, there's going to be a shutdown in England. Oh, there's going to be a shutdown. That's interesting. We are shutting down. We are shutting up. I want to say to every one of us, whenever things happen on the global scene, if you are a member of this house, you are so privileged because God revealed to us almost everything. We only need to go back and check the prophecies. 
So we get together. I've told the media section that I wanted to collate all prophecies God has been given us for the past five years. So that we can have the wholesome understanding of the big picture. For you, anything that happens in the globe that causes panic, Jesus says, don't be alarmed about it. I will together. The only alarm that you have, the church of God should have is to reach the lost and get people saved. For plague, Jesus said in the book of Matthew 24, there will be plague. There will be earthquakes. There will be disaster all over the whole place. But he says see to it that you are not alarmed. So if you are a Christian and you are singing the, the, from the same sheet with the press, I'm so sorry for you that you miss it. If you look at this last week, the chief advisor on the medical, he was the one that helped us to know the real truth because the press are trying to say things to make people panic. And the guy said that, you know, it's not so. The press are giving us information that if you touch, uh, uh, you know, anything that somebody who has coronavirus, that you catch it. He said, no, you don't catch it by touching. And he was the one who told us that within 48 hours, when the virus is out, it's dead. And that if you touch it, if you don't, if you touch it immediately and you don't put it on your head or your mouth, it can't harm you. And the, the interviewer was still trying to make him, you know, say something different to what he said. And the guy just said, because he's, he's, he's a professor. I don't calm yourself down. I will together. While we observe the rules, all right? One of the rules is that if you are in your office and somebody wants to shake you, yeah, stand up. They can stand up. When you want to shake, you shake like that. <laughs> that is one of the rules. You shake them elbow to elbow. Amen. And another rule is that they said that you should be uh, one meter to two meters from people. Uh, and I, I, I haven't been to the tube, but I'm sure that the people in the tube, they didn't hear that rule. <laughs> you know, I told mommy yesterday, because we're just driving down now from Nottingham. We went to do some meetings in Nottingham. And when we heard on the news that uh, you have to be one, one meter to one and a half meters, she asked me that, Wait, where, what distance is one meter to one and a half meters? She was sitting on the bed in the audio. I was sitting, I said, you know what is happening? From today, or to further notice, when we sleep, you sleep and put your head here. And I will sleep and put my head at your leg. That is one meter, at least. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, my. You know something that excites me on matters like this? The Lord knew it was coming. He had warned us it was coming. He laughs when we are all confused. <laughs> because he has solution before problem came. I will together now. For those of us who know him, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, shall abide in the shadow of the man. But you have to believe it. It's your faith that is your umbrella. I will together now. So don't be worried about it. Keep the observ- uh, rules and regulations. One of them is biblical. Uh, when you go, come in, wash your hands. When you go out, wash your hands. It's normal. Even without coronavirus, you should be washing your hands, isn't it? 
So now we have been lousy. I think coronavirus is not disciplining everybody. Because it's, it, that virus does not have, it doesn't have fear even. He attacked the Pope. Isn't it last week? We started praying for the Pope. Then he went to, to Canada and attacked the Prime Minister. I said, that guy does not have respect. <laughs> oh my. Don't worry. We will see many things in this end time. But let me tell you, the counsel of God will prevail. Yet last week I told you that we have come into the new year of our church. From all what God told us during, during the anniversary. And if we have come to the new year, and I told you also that we are all aware of this, that God spoke much about you having impact. If you will summarize this our convention, all right, I think the, the summary would be that God wants everyone to have impact. Because we looked at high impact leadership every day. We haven't done that for a while. But we looked at high impact leadership every day. And God helped us to understand how we can, our impact can be felt in every sphere of life. Not just in church, of course in church, but also in your office. What you can do or what you should do so that when promotions erupt in your office, you will be the first choice. You were told practically what to do. In your academics, if anybody is going to be the record breaker, it will be you, another person. And God gave you templates of what to do, which we cannot explore or exploit for another one month. But today, very briefly, I want to help us look at the other side. You know, God has destiny for everybody that is born. Do you believe that? Say amen. You didn't happen by mistake. Even if your parents didn't want your conception. But the fact that you, are, you happen is the evidence that it is God who made you happen. I know, I've met people that their parents aborted them. And yet, they didn't know that they didn't abort. And they were born. I have met people, this have ministered of women, who doctors said that, Oh, that child is going to be Down syndrome. Let us remove the child. And they cried to the church and I said to them, Tell that doctor that he didn't put it there. He didn't put that child there. That if God gave you that child, that child is not Down syndrome, and that child will be born. And these children are born here, perfect. Perfect. What I'm saying by it is this. You need to have this conviction in your heart that you didn't happen by mistake. You are part of global plan of God, most High. So this morning, I want to help you understand few principles that you need to do. Now, other days we have looked at, you know, if God has a plan for you, and if Satan plans against it, which we know he does, isn't it? And what you can do is very simple. You bind him. Correct? Yes, sir. I can't hear you. Yes, sir. CFT members don't have problem with Satan. Because you are taught about his folly. You are taught about his uh, limits. And you are taught about what you ought to be. So that when you say, devil, enough, it has to be. Okay, you are not one of those people who rebuke Satan and then Satan is saying, shut up your mouth. (laughs) 
Or you cast out a demon, the demon is saying that, what about if you cast me out and I enter into you? It can't happen to a CFT member. Because you know that for the devil, you resist him and he flees. You also know that because you are born again, Satan will not, if Satan will come to you, he won't come with horns. He won't come with a man with seven snake heads like he does to some people. Because if anything appears before you that looks different to normal, what you do is in the name of Jesus, isn't it? And when you call the name of Jesus, whatever the, the, the thing is, he has to vanish. That name overpowers any power. So for Christians, therefore, Satan don't come like that. It doesn't come like that. Let's look at the book of, of Ephesians very quickly. Chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You will write quite a few things down today. Ephesians. Now let's look at, yes, chapter... Uh, let me see that. Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Hmm? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. All right? Those two verses is where I want you to reflect now. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So you have been taught how to be strong in the Lord, how to fight the devil, how to bind the devil, how to set limits to the enemy that the enemy cannot mess around your life. But you understand that he says, put on the full armor that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Of course, if you look at 12, it says, For we wrestle not, King James Version, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, ruler of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. And I always say to you, there are people who have written books on the categories of demons, that the spiritual hosts of wickedness is the highest, the powers are the highest, the principalities are the highest. The church of God doesn't need stories like that. I don't care what is power. I don't care what is spiritual or wickedness. Why? Because a person who is just born again now, whatever name that Satan calls his group, you are above him. Okay? It's like a general. An infantry is coming to meet you, and they call themselves together and say, well, some of them are sergeants, some of them are couples, some of them are last corporate, and they are saying that the recruit is the highest one than the, the sergeant. What is your business as a general talking about those guys? So it does not matter principality or parallels of darkness, wickedness. It does not matter. What matters is that you are seated in Christ in the right hand of God in the heavenly places. And of course, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 tells you that. We are seated with Christ in the right hand of God in the heavenly places. And then Ephesians, uh, the, um, Exodus chapter 15, 6 says that your right hand, O God, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O God, you know, shatter the enemy. So we are seated in the right hand of God. We are both principles and powers. We are above rulers of darkness. We are above spiritual hosts of wickedness. However, we are wrestling with them. So somebody who is less than you, who cannot harm you, who does not have power to destroy you, okay, what will he try to do to you? Your mindset. That's all he can go after. And that is all what Satan do to Christians. 
is your mindset. So that if you, if Satan can manipulate your human mind, all right, and you concede to those thoughts, or rather, those thoughts became your attitude of life. What happened to you is that you are going to be the one responsible for your demise. That's the only thing Lucifer does to Christians. Because there is nothing of the devil that can affect you if you are a believer. Are we together now? I can't hear you, church, answer me. So today, therefore, I want to look at the other side. Not the spiritual one, but the human one. Because someone can begin to say that, why do some Christians struggle about destiny? Yes, this is it. Write this down. You must always know and be convinced that God has plans for your life. God has plans for your life. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Look at that scripture again. Shall we read it together, please? For I know. Is this cathedral? Come on, let's read it cathedral way. So write these things down from that verse. Number one, only God knows his plan for me. Isn't it? Only God knows his plans for me. So no witch, no wizard, no man, no warlock can know the plans of God. I was sharing that with them in Nottingham yesterday. You know, when you go to the witch doctors and all these warlords and they are looking at their witchy board or looking at their medium, saying that they are trying to tell you some prophecies, some visions about you, they, they tell you nothing. Because they can never read the plans of God. They can say, oh, you are going to be very influential. Everybody is going to be very influential with a witch doctor. Uh, ah, I can see your star. There is no star for any man. The star up there, if you are looking up, looking for a star that is your own, I'm so sorry for you. Those who came before you didn't find their own. <laughs> a man and a star are different. I would gather, they were telling you that, ah, I can see some, some future. But you have to do something to protect it. Who told you that? They want to wreck it. Because they cannot understand it. But Satan had been on earth for quite enough thousands of years. He has studied human psychology. And he is able to program from sampling what a person could tend towards. My father was a wizard. And I know he told me too that nobody knows anybody. God of heaven, you, you must have his spirit to know his plan for people. No Satan can reach the heart of God. I will together now. So, God, that's why God said, I know the plans I have towards you. Let your heart be settled on that. What you don't know, you cannot plan against. If Satan does not know God's plan, he cannot hinder it. He cannot plan against it. But this is what you need to recognize. That every guest work of the devil amounts to nothing. 
if you have the understanding that he's only guessing. I will together now. Second thing you need to write down from this scripture. God's plan is to prosper you. Only God knows his plan for you. God's plan is to prosper you. Number three, God's plans is not to harm you. Number four, God's plan is to give you hope and a future. What is called expected end. It is to give you hope for the future. Do you understand me? So say this after me. Only God knows His plans for me. Only God knows His plans for me. Say, God's plan is, is to prosper me. God's plan is not to harm me. God's plan is to give me hope and a future. And the last one is, thank you. Only God knows the routes to achieve his plans. Only God knows the route to achieve his plans. The one who designed a plan is the one who can tell you how to get it done. Are we together now? Okay. You know, even if I don't go further, you will agree with me that whenever we get into the things that we want to do things and then we eventually crash and then we regret it, if you check it, those days are the days that you went in your own plan without checking what is God's will. You will agree with me with that. But after you have crashed, you recognize that, oh, if I had known, I would have. Okay, in this meeting, before we close, I will help you go through how to navigate into perfection of God's plan so that you cannot be regretting your life anymore. Are you with me now? God does not, God is not happy when we are not fulfilled. You know, when you cry because you were crashed, God is not happy because he's a good father. Okay, so you know here that God has a plan for you. Second thing that you need to know is that God has a purpose for you and that the plans of God for you is according to his purpose. The plans of God is according to his purpose. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 24. The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I plan, so it will be. As I have purposed, it will stand. As I plan, it shall be. As I purpose, it will stand. If you look at this scripture, there are four things that God spoke here. Number one, God has a purpose for my life. The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I purpose, it will stand. He has a purpose for your life. Number two, God has a plan to fulfill the purpose. Number three, the plans of God is in line with his purpose. 
His plans are in line with His purpose. And the purpose of God for your life will give back to your destiny. Now, before I take you through God's own plan and purpose, and then we're going to close. Have it in your mind that God's plan will not harm you, according to Jeremiah. But though, when you are on route to God's plan and purpose, you may suffer pain. Pain is not harm. At all. Let me give you an example. A woman who was married, the moment they are married, they want, they want babies. And the whole family is asking for baby and all stuff like that. And the woman conceives, she's very happy, isn't it? She said, why are you looking at me like this? Am I not talking to women? Uh, when, uh, all of you women who have got babies here, yeah. when you conceived your baby, were you not happy? Were you not happy? I would have said yes for you. But I didn't carry one anyway. However, you see that when a woman is conceived, what happens to her? She's happy. She tells everybody, you know, I, I'm conceived. But her body will begin to change. Isn't it? Some people wouldn't have problems like others do. Some people is having money sickness, they call it. Alright? Some people will not have such because of grace God gave them. But everybody will change in the size of their body. Isn't it? And their belly begins to shoot out. And they begin to, to be happy. Don't you think it's painful? It is. After some time, they can't eat like they want to eat. Some of them have heartburn. At a time. But all these changes going on in their body, though it is painful, but they are happy. And then when it is almost four weeks to land, they begin to ask that the child should just come. One of them came to me in the room here. He said to me that, Apostle, uh, hey, please pray for me that this baby will come. I said, come. When the doctor tell you, he said, I have uh, two, two weeks. I have, you have two weeks. So if you have two weeks more, the doctor said, why are you wanting the baby to come now? He said, I'm getting tired. He said, so agree with me. I said, Father, I said, Father, I agree that this child will come in his own right time in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I saw my daughter getting pregnant and then growing, 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 and then two more weeks to wait. She can't wait anymore. Do you know what? And on that day, Suddenly, telephone rang. She went to the. She was in the hospital. Daddy, daddy, we are now in the hospital. <laughs> the husband, the husband called me. I said, "Yes, you are in the hospital. So bring my grandbaby out now." Spoke with her. He said, "Daddy, I've not got to the full, um, you know, uh, labor yet. 
and they said it was some centimeter and all stuff. How many, how many more minutes? He said, well, maybe in another one hour. God did it for them. Less than 30 minutes, the baby is out. But when she finished and gave back to the baby, I said, will you go for another one tomorrow? He said, ah, please let me rest. You suffer pain, especially when the baby is coming out. But that pain is not harm. Because that pain is good. So therefore, in your destiny, on your route to destiny, understand that you have many pain you go through. When you are studying to become qualified, all your sleepless nights is painful. You cannot live a normal life that others are living. Because you are studying to qualify. You have to deprive yourself of many things. Because you know that it's an opportunity, you fail it, that's it. And if you, if you can do it well and come out with a landslide success, then that determines a great thing for you. So when Jeremiah said, my plan is not to harm you, God knows what he's saying. It's just as it is. It is to give you hope. At the end of the pain, it gives back to hope. Sometimes when people are confronting the devil, they give up. Are you with me now? A child of God must not give up. Because better is the end of the matter than the beginning of it. You must know, God has said, His plan will never harm you. In other words, at the end of your struggle, you will celebrate. That's what God is saying. So therefore, I will say to us then, we are talking about purpose and purpose and purpose. You cannot live a life daily without a purpose. You cannot live daily without a purpose. A person who lives a life without a purpose, that is very strange. Why shouldn't you live a life, your daily life without a purpose? You can't live your daily life without a purpose. Because the purpose of your life leads you to destiny. It is the navigator into destiny. A purposeful life will always succeed. What is purpose then? Purpose can be defined as the vision and beliefs that underpins your values. And in terms of your values, we are talking about the values you have created for yourself, for your organization, for your family, for your church. Therefore, you can conclude that as purpose is the foundation of your existence. <clears throat> you don't go into marriage without a purpose. You don't go into a relationship without a purpose. You don't join a church without a purpose. You just don't go to church because people went to that church. And you must be very, very sure 
of your purpose. What are you looking for? That defines your purpose. Oh, somebody is, people are going into this career. I want to go into it as well. Why? That's your purpose. If you go into things without a purpose, you will just find out that in a short while, you will soon be frustrated. You will be. So purpose, therefore, is the foundation behind your existence. What does purpose do for you? One, it guides your decisions and strategies. It guides your decisions and strategies. If I woke up today with a purpose, everything I will do today, plan, strategy, and stuff is guided by the purpose. So imagine a man who wakes up without a purpose. Every day wake up, bath, go to work, take money, come back. The day they fire you, you'll be frustrated. Because you live the life without a purpose. That is not of God. If the company says there's no more job, that's the end of life. Some have become, what do you call it, depressed by it. So, purpose guides your decisions and strategies. Number two, purpose aligns your t- If you are working as a team, if the team have a purpose, the purpose aligns the team towards a common goal. That applies to those of you who are team members in church and you are um, department members or leaders in church. I was teaching you about transformational leadership. I did that to you. I taught you that about two weeks ago. Now, one of the things is that you recognize and remember that a transformational leader is a leader that can help others achieve the common goal. That's a transformational leader. He is the one who is leading, but he's not the one doing the job. Everybody is doing the job. So he can't be stressed. He can't be fatigued. If he is not around, the job will still be done. You know, this uh, coronavirus stuff is going to prove organizations who, are, who have not been practicing transformational leadership, they will suffer. Because can imagine now, they said that if you feel like uh, chiki chiki, you should stay away from the office, isn't it? And then you come in, half of your team members are not at work. For two weeks, they have been quarantined by self-quarantining. They self-quarantine themselves. Uh, amen? Now, if your system of leadership is transformational, the rest of the team will still do the job. They will still do the job. Or maybe some are going to be working from home. They will still be connected together. And the job is done. But if you are not, if you were a transactional leader, I'm sure that by the time the two weeks quarantine is finished, the organization may be asking you to reconsider your position as a leader. So, purpose align the team towards a common goal. And as a church too, we must work in the same purpose. Someone cannot be in a church and you are working, you know, in a derogation, you derogate from the purpose of the church. You can't. In a marriage, husband and wife was more work to a purpose. One of you cannot be working in, in, in contrary to the purpose of the family. You will have problems. So purpose, therefore, is so instrumental to come and go. And the third one is that it gives rise to courage to effective positive change, to effect positive change. When you are purpose, when you are purpose driven, you can always innovate. You can always change your method. Everybody is free to bring something on the table. 
No idea is useless. Everybody is thinking of how can we achieve the same purpose, how can we achieve it. While you are thinking, you go away, others are thinking, you come back together, you bring in all your ideas together, you achieve it. That is what purpose does. Are we together? So, a believer cannot live a life without a purpose. You cannot do that. If you look at the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 28 verse 9, it says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with, with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind his thoughts. If you seek him, you, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will reject you. If you look at this here, it says God understands every motive behind your thought. That is the purpose for your doing anything. God understands it. So when you wake up on a daily basis, I want you to remember, I told you this before, I say it again. When you wake up on a daily basis, okay, before I take you through this, let me say this. Every day is worth living for anyone born again. If you are born again, another day is another good day for you. There's no such a thing as a bad day. Oh, my day is bad. It cannot be bad. It can only be good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the one who controls the day is the one that you serve. It can only be good. Circumstances that take place in the day don't determine your day. Your purpose is your driving will. You will navigate through every complexity and achieve your, your goal. I would together. You cannot live a life without a purpose. So therefore, write this down. When you wake up daily, ask yourself, why am I alive today? Try to answer. Every other day that you wake up is another opportunity for life. To add values to your life. That's another opportunity. Those who died yesterday cannot do that. They're gone. So if you wake up, therefore, God has given you another privilege and honor. Secondly, you must ask yourself, what is my purpose for living, really? Do I have a purpose for living? Don't just wake up and you have no plan for your life. You have no purpose for your life. Don't let, it, don't let that ever happen to you. I will together now. Number three, you need to ask yourself, what are the tasks before me today? What, what, what do I want to do today? What are my plans for the day? Number four, you need to examine whether your plans for the day is in alignment with your purpose, your ultimate goals. In other words, I wake up today, I want to visit Brother Peter, I want to visit Brother Jed, I want to visit Brother Liz and Sister Dad and Sister Dad. How many hours would that have costed me visiting them in my 24 hours? Now, the purpose for which I'm visiting them, what value does that add to my aim for the day? Am I just going to discuss and argue about Brexit or no Brexit that none of us even understand what it means? And spend time arguing that it is, you know, the, 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 the what do they call it now? The National League Championship. It is Liverpool that will win it. No, it's not Liverpool, it's Birmingham. They start arguing over Birmingham, Liverpool will win it. You don't know who will win, really, both of you. And you spend your time watching it. Or, you know, oh, there's a film that is coming in. I must watch the film. And then that film, you went to click the film, and the film is about two hours of your day. 
Watching people shooting themselves. Are you a killer yourself? You are not. But you are watching people killing one another. Or some people even watch Dracula. Yeah, I say, well, you are not a member of witchcraft. What are you watching somebody uh, with the teeth and then they, they did some gimmicks to make the teeth long and he's, he's, he's plugging his teeth to somebody else. Blood, 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 blood everywhere. You are not a bloody man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me say something to you. Those hours in the day, add them together, that is minus in your life of existence. You can never recover them. You agree with me? People who like to argue, let them argue with themselves. Don't get yourself involved with all those fracas. If you are going to be involved in any discussion, let it be something that adds value to your purpose. Let it be. Don't visit anybody. Really, for me. If, if I live in, in, uh, in uh, New Cross now, or I live here now, if anybody knock my door, suddenly, Apostle, I just said I should come and visit you. At that door, as I opened, I said to him, that you have seen me. God bless you. You can go. <laughs> you can't just come and visit me for what? You don't have work to do. The, the 24 hours that God gave me, I'm still complaining that I need 26 hours. Are you with me now? So, you who have something to do, don't entertain mediocres who have nothing to do. Their own is just to be talking about, talking about, talking about, talking about, and then when somebody, you know, gets success, they'll be saying that, well, it's why is it only me that God does not promote? How can God promote you? Because when you, are, you waste the whole of your life, time you should add value to your life, you are talking, chatting all over the whole place. That is what they would do to many Christians. Help you to while away your time. But you won't see devil when he's doing that. But they are working in the mind of believers. Because they can't stop your destiny, but they can help you wreck your destiny. So you must ask yourself, my task for today, are they in alignment of my life goal? And then finally on that, you must ask whether those goals are in alignment with God's plan. Any of your goals that is self-centered, God will frustrate it. That's how God says. That's what the Bible says. He frustrates any plan that is not in line with his goal, with his own purpose. So therefore, let me just conclude by saying to you, therefore, if God is the one who knows his plan for us, and God has good plan for us, you and I can agree that for us to really fulfill the good plans of God, we need to cooperate with God. You must be able to cooperate with God. I, you know, Nottingham now, when I went to Nottingham, you know when I talk with people, throughout the three days I was in Nottingham, when I finished preaching there, and I go home, you know the prayer I pray for them. Lord Jesus, send your angels to them on their dream today. Let them see. That this world is not just nightmares. You can see angels on your dreams. Uh, this week we read Matthew 1 to 3. And Matthew chapter 1, an angel of the Lord appeared, Gabriel appeared to uh, Joseph in chapter 1. And told him that, uh, take your wife 
uh, Mary for you know as your wife and in chapter 2 he appeared to him as well and said that they are going to kill that child take the child and run to Egypt and in chapter 3 he went to him and said that those who want to kill the child you know are dead and I said Lord Christians every Christian should be experiencing this every Christian should be experiencing this I was sharing with them from the age of 9 I started having these encounters with the Lord is it a gift? no I sought God I void my mind from rubbish educated my mind to love Jesus from kid. And because I love Jesus so much, he protected my mind from all what excites people does not excite me. So that the much volume of your mind you can concentrate on the one who designed your destiny and who can show you by dreams and visions what road you should take in life. Instead of having headache, hey, I, this one I, I did, it can't work. That can who told you it can't work? It can work. You only need to understand from the one who wrote the plan of your life how to go about it. And the angels of God can solve every problem. Every problem they, they know every education. Whether you're an accountant or you're a lawyer or you're a doctor, or you're a surgeon, an angel can do everything. Because all the knowledge that you guys have here, they are just a grain of sand. An angel had, had showed me parabolic cough. And I was torn. How can this angel know parabolic cough? He looked at me and he smiled. That son of man doesn't know anything. Amen. So what are the things that you need to do to cooperate with God? Number one. Ensure that you examine your plans, okay, all the plans of your life, examine them in line with the Word of God, the Bible. Not prophetic now, because some of you may say, I'm not the prophet, that is not talking about. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So it means that every plan I have, I have to submit it to God in prayer. That God will guide and direct my plan. That is the basic thing anyone can do in life. But if you continue to seek God, you can come to the place whereby you can ask God questions and He will answer you. And that's where I want all of you to be. That you can ask God, what about this? And the Spirit of the Lord will tell you, this is this. Should I or should I not? And He will tell you, don't, because, and He will tell you why. And that is easy for a Christian to achieve. If you do what this church set for you to do, what is it? I gave you Bible study daily. All right? Three chapters a day. You know what we have been reading in Proverbs? If you look at that proverb from 1 to 10, are they not fantastic advices? Every one of you is given the Bible to read. Every day. Three chapters in the New Testament. And one chapter. You don't read it. Come on now. God is not one that you wind up. You don't wind him up. You build relationship with him. You can't just go on the streets of, of um, what do you call this your street now? <clears throat> Woolwich, 
I just see a lady well dressed and she was going with her bag like that. Eh? And then you just say that ah, I've been looking for a wife. Follow me. Follow me, follow me, follow me. You are my wife. You can you do that? You know the lady who have been working like this before? You'll be shocked what she thought what I can do. <laughs> yeah. You can. But if you see a lady walking, and then a man just came and said, Oh, hello, how are you? And he parted my back. There's relationship. Some of us want to do that to God. We don't relate with Him. We just want to ask God, God, do this for me. And God should say, Yes, sir. You must do this by fire, by force. And God will say, Yes, ma'am. You don't have that kind of God. Unfortunately. You have a God who wants to talk with you, who wants to hear your voice when you don't have problem. On a regular daily basis, that you have devotion with him. So that he can come to you when you don't even expect and say, Oh, what about this issue? Why can't you go and do this? Okay, I want to send you to these people now. That's the God we are serving. And that's the way Christians ought to serve this God. It is easy to do so because you will commit our daily time to some other things. And we can just take an hour of that time and just commit to God. And that makes a difference. It makes a difference. You know, during this trip I was in, in um, Nottingham, we, we spoke about authority in God. Okay? And I helped them understand it is not anointing. It is relationship. What about confidence in God? It's not anointing. It's relationship. I was in a church one day, and somebody was having demons in my meeting. So she jumped out, and she was jumping on her knees from the back of their church to the front. And she got up, she charged like a bull, and hit the altar. I ducked. Because if somebody is charging like a bull in this church, I told the pastor, it's your church, you carry your casualty. They took the girl away. And they were praying, 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 praying. I'm talking about relationship with God. They were praying, 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 praying. They prayed, intercessors prayed until we finish. You know, some of us, we say we are intercessors. Yes? If anybody truly is an intercessor, it is impossible for you not to be able to see vision. If you say you are an intercessor, you can't see, you can't hear. You are not interceding, you are just doing gymnastics. Okay? And I don't want that in CFT. Hey, to have a form of something, come on, don't talk to me like that. If you tell me you're a prayer person, what did God tell you last? Why should things happen in our, in our domain and we can't hear from you? You cannot warn us that this is coming. We have to be discontent with the way we have been doing things, which is just doing things without a purpose. No. Relationship. We finished, I went to ask them, where is the girl that they were casting the man out? They took me to the room, the girl carried a, a, a bench, and six men, he, she pushed them to the ground. And they were binding, they were burning. <clears throat> I got there, they said, no, 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 man of God, don't go near her, she will crush you. Six of us cannot handle her. But they are apprentices, isn't it? I remember when I was doing apprenticeship under Badar in Nigeria. They brought a madman to us. All of us closed our eyes and were binding the devil. The madman picris. When our leader came and said, where is your madman? They said, look at him. He said, go get him. But the guy, you know, he has many demons. 
they, he was fleeing like in the air. We couldn't catch him. And he said, when you are catching demon, now open your eyes. <laughs> Lesson number one. <laughs> open your eyes. So when I got there, the guy carried the stuff. I said, put it down. He said, put it down. I said, did you hear what I said? <laughs> put it down, man. And she put this. I said, sit down. I sat beside her. Ha, the intercessor were going. Hey, like, as if a magic has happened. Do you know what gives man confidence? Relationship with God. Okay? You know what makes a, a Christian see? Relationship with God. You know what makes an angel just intercept you and tell you about information that does not concern you? Relationship with God. I was with Pastor Dakbo in a Klologo when a madman charged towards us, armed. People were running. And he said, run for your life, run for your life. He's a madman, he's a madman. <clears throat> my pastors took the camera and they ran to my back. I told them, who are you running to? You run for a madman, you are more mad. Get out here. How can a madman armed chase us who is not mad? And when the madman ran towards us, the villagers, you know, ran elder skelter. When the madman got before me, I will see how that Satan inside him will be so foolish as to carry the axe and put it on my head. What are angels around me doing? Is it not demons that is in him? Do we not have authority over the evil spirit? The man in his right sense cannot do that. I said, kneel down. And the man fell to his ground, to the ground, with all his ammunition, threw it away. Before he reached the ground, I put my hands on him and said, You fast spirit, get out of him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Pull him up. And he was perfectly ill. He said, Where am I naked? You were called mad. You are not mad. You can't be mad. You are, if you are a mad person, you run into the house of God, you should not go out with that madness. Are you, what am I saying to you? Your relationship with God is more important than you demanding from God. As a Christian, you can never do anything without a purpose. I will have to finish with you now. So therefore, you know that you must make sure whatever you want to do is in line with the word of God. We are talking about cooperating with God. Number two, God's word is a vehicle to fulfill your purpose. God's word is a vehicle to fulfill your purpose. And number three, God has put his word in your mouth. But under number two, God's word is a vehicle to fulfill purpose. Isaiah 55 verse 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return back to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The word of God is pregnant of purpose. And it is directed to have effect. That's what God says. If you look at this. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. So all the Bible that is written is the word of God that came from the mouth of God. Anytime you back up a claim with the word of God. That claim will not return empty, but it must return. Which means it is pregnant of purpose, 
and it will do the, the thing you sent it to do. Are we together now? I want you in CFT to make your life easy to live. Because a time is coming that I won't be with you. Because when the flood hits Britain, some of, some of you will know then. You, may, you won't see me regularly. But among you, God will raise men and women who will continue here. You yourself may not be here. Because the work will become so much in this country. But that's the reason why now you must understand the principle. A person who is not successful cannot teach others how to succeed. And it's not just prayer, 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 prayer. I, you know when I make Christian, I say it's prayer, 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 prayer. We must pray. I taught you to pray at least three times a day in this church. Observe the hours of prayer. I taught you to pray in the vigil. To take vigil and just seek God. But you see, more than that, if your life is out of the purpose of God, it will become like an exercise. Just talk, 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 nothing happens to you. It shouldn't be so with us. Our predecessors saw angels, we must see one. And we have to seek God until Jesus himself appeared to us. Your heart must be bent on that. That it is true. If you can turn to God, He will turn to you. He will show you great hidden things that you know not. Your Christianity should not just be, let's go to church and sing and go away. No, 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 no. It is a relationship with the King of Heaven. So that when you talk to mortal men, you can tell them your own experiences with God. You know, nobody can convince a man who has experience with God. Impossible. You will really convince everybody around you. And this is what I want us to do. It begins from ensuring that all your life is in line with purpose. Send the word of God into your plan. All right? And that word will bring the manifestation. And the final one, which is the third one, let me give you the scripture. The word is in your mouth. See, here it says God is the word that comes out of God's mouth. And the third one is say God has put that word in your mouth. Isaiah 51 verse 16. I have put my words in your mouth. And covered you with the shadow of my wing, or shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and said to Alfred Williams, You are my people. I can't hear whether your name is there. Is your name there? Come on now. God said in the first one I gave in Isaiah that his word that come out of his mouth will not come back empty. It will achieve what he has sent it. Now he now said, that word that came out of my mouth, I put it in your mouth. Look, let me help you know this. Because I have to do this for, you to, for us to close. When you speak to a situation and it remains, that does not mean it has not had you. Are you with me now? You speak again to the situation and it remains. You who want to do examination and you want to apply in school, is it the day you apply you graduate? So then, but if you apply and they, they take you there, before they you start reading, do you know all the course? If you went in with the determination that I'm going to, I'm going to you know, create a record in this profession, the first day you go there, I see myself you didn't know anything. 
But you keep on going, you keep on going, you keep on going, you keep on going. With the same mentality that I want to be the best here. And before you know it, among the students, people will begin to come out while others are going behind. Before you know it, somebody now in the first, after the first semester or second semester, he has emerged as someone who even almost knows everything. Okay? Even more than that is your word. The word of God from your mouth is the same thing as from the mouth of God. Are you with me now? Now, let me help you know this. Some of you, when we talk things like this, you always think about, I'm not righteous. Who told you you are not righteous? Satan. Are you born again? Have you asked Jesus to come into your life? So if you have, so then what are you talking about? Don't you know that all the misbehavior that some of us still get involved in, and you fall today, you rise tomorrow, if you are at that stage now. The reason why is because you are not reading Bible. That's why. That is why. That's why in this chart I gave you. Is it not in your, in your announcement sheet? Yes. Look, this announcement sheet. This may be going to the hands of some of us, and we never read it. We just take it out. Ah, this thing is beautiful. Eh? Jesus said, yeah. Our church have vision. <laughs> and they said, daily Bible reading. Matthew chapter 22, 24. Matthew chapter 25, 26. Matthew chapter, Luke chapter 1, chapter 3. Luke, that's all you read. Now that's not why we put it here. We put there Monday 16th, Matthew 22 to 24. Tuesday 17, Matthew 25 to 28. So when you wake up in the morning of Monday, you take that Matthew and read it. That's why we put it there. Now, let me say this to you. If you do this regularly, and you pray... Even if you don't know what to say, say, Jesus, apostle said I should pray, so I pray. <laughs> I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. If you are doing things like that, Holy Spirit knows that you recognize that you have to speak to God. You don't know what to say. He recognized that you read the, the scripture, then he will come to you after a few days. And he begin to tell you what to say. You just discover that. Because some people say, I've met someone before who said to me that, Apostle, you know, you pray a lot in this church. I said, yes. He said, but I don't know how to pray. I said, I too, I didn't. I didn't. I started by looking at their mouth. So then I would repeat what somebody said. That, that's how many of us started. I would look at the person who can pray well. I would be praying what they are saying. Is that not a child? Is that not how a child in the house learns how to speak? So why do you think that... The word of God in your mouth needs another oil to happen and is less than the mouth of anybody or your apostle. If it is the word of God, any mouth that speaks it is God's vessel. And that is what you are. Do you understand me? If anybody tells you different to what I'm saying, it's a liar. We're going to pray now. God said, I put my words in your mouth. Which means that you want to exercise it right now. You want to use that authority and direct it towards any area of your need that faces you. Let me tell you, God will answer you for only one reason. And it is because you ask in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Just that little faith in the name of Jesus is enough for God 
to do what you're saying. Maybe you have prayed the same prayer before. It has not happened. Today it will happen. Someone says that, how do you know it will happen? I know it will happen. You are here and I'm saying it and you are here. I said it will happen to you. Stand up on your feet and let's pray. You are going to first lift up your voice and thank God for the word of God that comes out from the mouth of God. For the potency of the word. He says the word that comes out of my mouth shall accomplish the purpose for which I have sent it. Begin to thank God for the word of God. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. Bless the name of the Lord, that the word of God has power. The word of the Lord has power. It will do what God has sent it to do. It's pregnant. It will not come back empty. Oh, sovereign Lord. Thank God and say, God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the potency of your word. You send your word and it heal your people and deliver them from all their chains. Now he says, I have put that word in your mouth. I have put my words in your mouth. Now begin to speak to situations of your life. You are, you are entering a new week this week. What do you want God to do for you? What do you want God to do for you? What are you looking for? Begin to declare the word of God. Command situations to change in your life. Command things to happen in your life. Ask God for whatever you want by the word of God. <coughs> Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, you receive it. Whatever you ask in my name, you receive it. Call things that were not to be in your life. Begin to decree what God has promised you. If you are jobless, call your job to manifest. If you are sick, call your health to be fulfilled. Rebuke the devil over your mind, over your life. Whatever the enemy has done, take your stand and say, I destroy it in the name of Jesus. I destroy in my life anything the devil has done. God has a great plan for me. Begin to make some declaration. My life shall fulfill the greatness of God. Begin to say those things. God has a great plan for my life. Begin to say those things. I call for my resources to come in the name of Jesus. I call for my resources to come in the name of Jesus. Begin to declare to yourself, the spirit of wisdom come upon me. The spirit of knowledge come upon me. The spirit of counsel come upon me. You will not be frustrated any longer. Begin to declare. Begin to make declaration, by this time next week, I will have testimony. I stand in Christ in God to declare, the blessings that heaven has given me remain with me and manifest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' holy name we have prayed. Father, I pray for your people. It says, my word that come out of my mouth shall not come back void. 
it shall achieve the purpose for which I've sent it. So the word of God, the promises of the Bible have purpose. And the purpose is to fulfill in the lives of God's people. It is written, worship the Lord your God. He will cause his blessing to come upon your food and water. I bless your food in the name of the Lord. I bless your waters in the name of the Lord. It says, none shall miscarry in your land, and none shall be barren, says the Lord. I say, you are no more barren. I say, be fruitful. In everything, be fruitful. In everything, be fruitful. I say, in everything, be fruitful. In your mind, be fruitful. In your body, be fruitful. In your career, be fruitful. In the spiritual, be fruitful fruitful it is written gather ye distant land and be scattered gather and be shattered devise a plan it shall not be a strategy shall be drafted I stand in Christ in God and declare over you every plan of the devil against your life I draft in the name of Jesus Christ they will not succeed over you in the name of Jesus I add that the fire of God will surround you where you are right now if there be anything the devil has planned ahead of you this week, we neutralize them by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Your life shall be fulfilled. I say, your life shall be fulfilled. Holy Spirit of God will guide your foot. He will direct your path. And He will bring you to the place that God has prepared for you. So shall it be. When the time came for the donkey that was tied to be free, Jesus said, Go to the other side. And you will find a donkey that is tied, no one has ridden. I decree, he said to them, Untie! And when they ask you who, why should you untie? I said, the Lord has need of it. Everybody under my voice that I've been bound by Satan, untie in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. For the Lord has need of you. I command change be broken in the name of Jesus. You are set free in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be subject to yoke of slavery. I said you are set free. Together with your home, you are set free. Your husbands are set free. Your wives are set free. Your children are set free. Your brothers and sisters who may not be in this area that is bound, they are loose in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Anyone that the devil will touch and it will affect you. According to the word of the Lord, he said, I will protect he who is not innocent because of your own standing. I decree in the name of Jesus, anyone that the devil will touch and it will concern you. Today, I command deliverance for them. I decree that the hands of Satan over your brothers and your nieces, your uncles and parents and in-laws are destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You will fulfill the purpose of God in the land of the living. So shall it be unto you. And so it is. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are praying. Somebody say amen. Somebody say